Anyway, so having said all that, we're going to have the pleasure of hearing from Amelia. She's been great. And so today, we're going to hear from her. Yay. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Amelia, and I am uh, the children's program director here at the river. Welcome on this uh, second Sunday of Lent. I'm so glad that you're here and very proud. <laughs> um, even with losing one hour of sleep last night, I am so glad and thank you for being here. So um, how many of you have heard about the Dead Sea? Right. It's been mentioned a couple of times in the Bible. And how many of you know that it is, why it's called the Dead, Dead Sea? Hmm. Okay, well, the Dead Sea is actually a lake. It's a salt lake between the country of Jordan in the east and Israel in the west. This lake is mentioned a couple of times in the Bible, so some of you may have heard it from there. But it is named the Dead Sea because it has high salt content, about 10 times more than the ordinary seawater, making the water uninhabitable for microscopic organisms, such as fish and aquatic plants. The lake receives from the Jordan River, but does not have a way of getting out of the lake, so the water is forced to evaporate. The lake receives, but it does not give. The lake is not a good environment for life. And this is what started me to wonder about giving and receiving. Growing up, we are taught a lot about giving. Early childhood education teaches children from very, very early age about how to be mindful of others, how to be helpful and kind. Our parents teach us how to share, especially if you have siblings, right? But I cannot remember or have very little memory about how to receive, how to be comfortable with my needs. In fact, there's a saying in Indonesian that my mom always says to her children. And it says, Jangan pernah hutang budi sama orang, which means never find yourself be indebted to anyone. In particular, favors, help, assistance. Now, although these teachings uh, are well-intended and can be helpful in nurturing self-reliant, independent, and resourceful children, they feel like half a lesson. I also think that our world it's generally not very kind to those who are needy. We appreciate givers more. I prefer to be givers and be surrounded by givers. There's power and plenty in the hands of those who give. We feel like we're in control of the situation or maybe deserve to be in control. Giving is seen as altruistic, action-oriented, and loving, whereas receiving is often seen as submissive, lazy, and weak. There are a lot of emphasis and sermon and messages about 
giving, which are really good and necessary. The world needs givers. The church needs givers. We all need to give. But I wonder if these are the reasons why receiving can be really hard for many people. I know it is hard for me. When I receive something, I feel like I have to return something in exchange. Or when I receive a compliment, I sometimes feel like I have to hold back from mentioning something bad. Like, Amelia, I like your boots. Oh, these old boots, right? Growing up, I had a very good friend. We call each other in the evening, even after spending a whole day together in school. On my birthday, my good friend gave me a gold pocket watch. Her family was wealthy and she was very generous. But a 13-year-old cannot really tell the difference between a gold watch versus a spray-painted watch. It was not until my aunt noticed and made me aware that, wow, that was a very generous, expensive gift. So for her birthday the following month, I felt a lot of pressure to give something just as nice, at least almost as nice with my measly allowance. I remember spending days and days looking for just the right gift. I ended up giving her an alarm clock. Yeah. <sighs> My friend appreciated the gift. But as, I, as soon as I gave it to her, I quickly realized that she never actually expected me to return her generosity. I was so troubled with the guilt of receiving such an expensive gift, so instead of just opening, uh, opening my heart and just receiving her heartful gift, my head was so focused on trying to match her gift that I missed out on giving her something that comes from my heart. In the beginning, I talk about what happened to a lake that does not give. Not giving prevents the Dead Sea from being a thriving environment for life. But not being able to receive is also problematic. It prevents love to flow. In fact, it can potentially hurt people. Imagine spending a lot of effort and time and energy making a special gift for someone. Maybe cooking a meal or painting a picture and having it not received, even rejected. It can really hurt, right? So receiving is loving too. Giving and receiving are not opposite of each other. One is not better than the other. Both giving and receiving are equally important. They are two parts of a whole. They are independent on each other to really work, for love to flow and for life to thrive. 
Last week, Charles talked about how God is always calling out for us, right? God is constantly inviting us to be partners in the work of creation. Our best possible future happens when God and us cooperate. So today, I also urge you to say yes to God, to receiving, at least to learning how to receive better. In fact, I would say that receiving is the first call of action in this process of co-creation. Did you know that it takes about up to three weeks for a bamboo plant to sprout from a seed? But once it's sprouted, it can grow up to 35 inches in one day. That's almost three feet in one day. The germination process, the process of receiving from the environment, the nutrition, the oxygen, water, just the right temperature, is so crucial and foundational to the chance of it being survival, surviving and, and prospering. Receiving the unconditional of love of God, receiving our worth just as we are, helps stabilizes our ego. It gives us a healthy foundation to which to live, to move, and to have our being. I would also argue that receiving is also chapter one in Jesus' mission on earth. Coming as a baby is it's not a powerful place to be. A baby is very vulnerable and needy. A newborn can feed two to three hours Every two to three hours, a newborn can wet a diaper five to five times a day. This is far from being in control of the situation, right? <laughs> and you know what? Jesus' acts of receiving did not stop there. Jesus ate our food, sat at our tables. Jesus drank from our wells and slept at people's homes. The Bible talks a lot about the acts of giving of Jesus. Jesus touches, Jesus heals. Jesus uh, teaches and gives himself to us. The story of Jesus receiving from us is rarely heard. But if we pay attention, it is actually everywhere. And today, I want to highlight this particular part of a well-known story, the story of Jesus and the woman by the well. Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The Samaritan woman was taken aback by Jesus' request. I learned that apparently it's uh, unusual for women to come to the well around noon, when the heat of the day is at its worst. So it's likely that this Samaritan woman 
did not expect to be noticed or seen by anybody. Possibly because of two reasons. First, there's a long-standing hatred between Jews and the Samaritans. And the Samaritan was also a woman. And in this culture and times, women were second-class citizens. They were a little bit more than property. So being around a Samaritan and a woman could make you ritually unclean. Secondly, her marital status. In later verses, it's revealed that she uh, has had five husbands, and the one she was with was not her husband. This woman was an outcast in her own society. She's at the very bottom. She's one of those people who came at noon. So she probably avoided uh, being around people. So when Jesus asked her for water, she was not only surprised to see someone there, but for someone, especially a Jew, to engage her. Let us read a little bit more. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is a famous story of Jesus as the giver of living water the giver of life. Yes, Jesus is a giver in the fullest sense possible. But that was not how Jesus first approached her. Jesus came as one to receive from her. Just like his birth, Jesus understood that true connections does not happen at high level, at the place of power, but at the bottom at the place of vulnerability. Jesus' openness and humility dissolved this woman's wall of shame and showed her that she was worthy of him, the Messiah. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believe in him because of the woman's testimony. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This 
is the beauty of receiving that we do not talk enough about. The openness that Jesus exemplified in the beginning of the story progressed into a series of receiving by the Samaritan woman and the people in her town. A woman whom no one wanted to be associated with now became the channel of good news and life for many people. All because Jesus first opened himself up to receive from her. And she opened herself up to receive Jesus. Then the people in town received her message and received from Jesus. Receiving our acts of love that have not only brought this woman back to her people, but also connected her and her entire town to life with capital letters. So, how do we get better at receiving? That's better at giving and better at life. My first suggestion is be comfortable with our needs. Caroline suggested this several weeks ago, and I love it so much, I feel like I want to repeat it today. It is important to be comfortable with every part of who we are. Our good, our bad, our ugliness, our neediness, everything. When God created us, God said, it is good. God is delighted with you just as you are. So be comfortable with your needs and be comfortable with asking for what you need. My second suggestion is be receptive and make note of the love that you are receiving. One question that I've heard more than a few times at River Kids is, how can you receive from a God that you can't see? Makes sense, right? Really simple, smart question. Well, how do we receive love? Is it by hugs? Is it touches? Is it smiles? Sounds? Pictures? If we expect to see love with our eyes, you may not see very much. But if you're open to the many different ways that God is communicating with you, you may be surprised with how much love you are actually receiving. So one day last week, I tried to pay close attention to all the love connection I encountered just on that one day. And here's my list. The birds sang, my neighbor waved, someone needed directions at the station, I received a really sweet text from an old friend, Kevin, bought a bag of popcorn to share at the office. My package was outside all day and it was still there when I came home. A forgotten pint of ice cream in the back of my freezer. A well-functioning dishwasher. My dog joined me on the couch. My kids fought to sleep with me. At the end of my list, I received them. 
and said my gratitude for them. Traumas, pains, and shame can close our hearts to receiving love, just like the Samaritan woman. But I still suggest that you try, at least to make note of it, to journal them. We have prepared some journals for you at the welcome counter in the back. They are free, so please pick one up today. Let me close us in prayer. God, thank you for making room for us in this process of creation, of creating our world and our lives. Help us become more conscious of our thoughts and feelings when we give and when we receive. Teach us how to participate in this whole act of unconditional love so that our lives can become fulfilling and more becoming with you. Amen. Thank you, Amelia. to be thankful for I've been that really hit home for me specifically too because this year I gave myself a challenge to write one good thing that happened to me every single day and I have a jar of little papers and it's hard sometimes it is really hard sometimes and so that practice that muscle is so valuable